welcome to Drinking and Talking with your host, Vincent Franconi. All right, so this is uh, podcast number two of drinking and smoking, drinking and smoking, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I've had a beer and a half, and I already fucked up the name of the podcast. This is uh, Drinking and Talking with Vince Franconi, and uh, my guest today is Christopher Sabella, and he is talking to me via Skype, and this, for the record, is my very first Skype ever. I've never done this shit before, so uh, this is uh, pretty scary what technology can do. All the sci-fi shit I saw as a kid is actually happening. Yeah, welcome to the future of eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, and welcome to Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I want to have Chris on for a couple of reasons. I, I'm asking people to have on the podcast that I actually like and people that I know and also people um, who are famous enough to get me some sh- some cachet. And Chris is super famous now in the world of comics. I, not not really, <laughs> but yeah, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> well, you are an Eisner award-winning comic, right? Nominated. Nominated? You haven't won? No, it's in oh, my bio. I put it in my bio, Eisner losing writer. Oh, okay. So you're an Eisner losing. Uh, that's fucked up. Which is prestigious unto itself. Like, not a lot of people have lost an Eisner, so. I wasn't sure. I knew that, like, getting nominated was big, and I knew that sort of justified this career choice, if we can call it that. But I, for some reason, uh, it, thought yeah. you won. No, no. Uh, <laughs> sadly not. Uh, well, you know, it's not like you're not trying, for Christ's sake. Um, so to kind of go through Chris's bio from my end, which I thought would be funnier than before you actually list your <laughs> real bio, because I only yeah. kind of partially know what you're up to these days. Uh, Chris is the author of, let's see, we got Escape from New York, the, right? Uh-huh. Um, the first thing I read for you was Ghost, but that's been long dead, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, is it Welcome Back, which I always want to call something else. Yeah. And let's see if I remember any others. There's a short order crooks a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, short order crooks, and uh, kiss versus vamp. I always want to call it versus. Uh, it's not versus, right? No, it's just slash kiss and vampirella, which yeah. is well, a comic that I kind of want to talk a little bit about it first, if you don't mind. Oh, please, um, yeah. So Chris has written a comic uh, featuring the rock band Kiss, and uh, very much like me, Chris thinks. Uh, well, what's your opinion of Chris, of Kiss? I'll let you say it. Um, so yeah, I've largely thought Kiss was terrible. I guess um, I learned to kind of <laughs> like them a little bit more once I got the job because I was like, well, if I'm going to spend a hundred plus pages with these dudes, I should find. <laughs> The really like up until I got this job, the only thing I really liked about Kiss was uh, the two albums of Paul Stanley Stage Banter. Oh, that is beautiful. That is, I listen to that whenever I get sad. It always cheers me up. Yeah, like that was always the best of Kiss for me. And you know, my most of my exposure to Kiss has been uh, to Gene Simmons and his various like attempts to merchandise and stuff, and like that. That stuff doesn't interest me at all. I'm speaking very politically just on the off chance that uh, uh, an editor or Gene Simmons is listening to this. Sure, sure. Uh, We we don't want to put you in any position as far as, (laughs) like, getting you out of a job, like, you know. Oh, no, I mean, there's still going to – there's only two more issues to go, so it's not like they'll cancel it. But uh, I've been trying to be very politically minded on this one. Uh, and luckily, nobody has gone back and like searched my tweets because I've made several <laughs> tweets over the years disparaging uh, certain members of Kiss. I'm fairly sure I've seen that. Yeah, I know your opinion um, from years back when I think we might have talked about how much Kiss sucked and how all of my friends uh, when I was growing up in the 80s just were obsessed with that band and how um, I just didn't understand it because I thought they were just so fucking transparently about cashing in, which I kind of respect. But, sure. like, why should I give them any money as a result of that? Because fuck those guys. Yeah, I never had friends who were into Kiss until I grew up. Um, <laughs> so they were never, I mean, I knew of them as a thing, but they just never floated my boat. So, like, we kind of passively have existed in the same universe. Uh, and really, it's only the post-Kiss behavior that really kind <laughs> of 
ruffles my feathers a lot. And that song, I Was Made for Loving You, I think is pretty terrible. But You know, I have a soft spot for that song because of how st- sort of stupid it is. Sure. Like it's a but disco it's, thing. Right? Yeah, that's the thing is like, I guess I'd never, I don't know, I never paid attention to it really until uh, I got this job. And... <laughs> And I was like, this is like a full-on disco song. Like, uh-huh. how is this like the greatest rock band in the world? And like, at a time when disco was like clawing its way to the top, they were like, hey, us too. Yeah. Um, I always sort of so. likened it to like the Stones <laughs> when the Stones did a psychedelic record because the, they figured, fuck it. Like, people want to hear songs like, you know. 10,000 light years from home. Let's just do that yeah, shit. Yeah, but they did it well. Like, they did, yeah, uh, <laughs> because of the uh, stones. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, as pretender to the throne as they were in Psychedelia, like, that album still holds up pretty well. No, it's got some good songs on it. There's, that's true. But there's nothing forgivable about it. I think that's Kiss Dynasty. I even think I even know the record. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know, like, I know the album Hotter Than Hell because that's when my book, my book takes place while they're recording Hotter Than Hell. You know, I love that song uh, only because uh, I was once riding a train into the city from the suburbs and this is around 95 and these two dudes were there and they were like Southside Metalhead jerks and they were like lamenting the grunge thing and they're like, this fucking pussy Cobain just killed himself because these fucking kids today with their music, he's like, whatever happened to good old music? And then they all started talking about like the music they love and they started like just impromptu singing Hotter Than Hell by Kiss on the Metro train. <laughs> and I just, and then at the end of it was like, don't worry, man, you can't kill good rock and roll. This shit's coming back. So it's <laughs> yeah, that's basically the theme of my book. Like, uh, I know what side my bread is buttered on. So even though I never <laughs> met your friends, I kind of knew that anybody who's picking this up because of Kiss, like, they would love a narrative where you know it's like, no way, man. Like, like you know, we're always fighting for our rock and roll, and rock and roll will always win. Yes, because it always will. Apparently, if as long as Gene Simmons has anything to do with it. But I also know you're a fan of, uh, I mean, we're kind of, this is digressive. I had prepared shit I wanted to ask you, but I don't give a fuck anymore. So I, I, I remember, but like we watched, uh, I think we watched together Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2. With sure. the great like Paul Stanley interview where he's got like like half naked girls in bed with him. Like that's just him on an average day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like my favorite thing about Kiss is that whole like manufactured moment from that documentary. Yeah, I do like them in that documentary. And I also like Gene Simmons in the movie Trick or Treat. Oh, uh, fuck. Yeah, I remember that. With uh, Ozzy was in that too, right? Uh-huh. Gene oh. Simmons plays a DJ called Nuke. Yeah, and Ozzy's like a televangelist or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a very uh, big movie for me as a kid because I was so into metal. I was not, but I really <laughs> I really like that movie. Uh, and I try to watch it at least like once a year. I haven't watched that movie since the 80s, so I don't know if it holds up. It's pretty good. I think it actually like holds up pretty well. And it was directed by uh, Charles Morton Smith. Really? The, uh, yeah, the cinematic nebbish. Like he, <laughs> for whatever reason, he was like, no, this is a movie I have to do. Um, so there's a lot of odd curiosities in it. Is that the one where the girl's listening to headphones in the backseat of a car and gets kind of like raped by the spirit of the recently dead musician? Yeah, like it starts. It's like an excuse for like ghost tendrils to pull their shirt open, and then but then it's just like you see a a weird demon. So I don't think like it actually gets rapey. It gets a little gropey. Well, it was um, the eighties. Most of our movies were very gropey. Yeah, and very rapey. So I feel like I can draw a distinction and be like, well, it wasn't (laughs) great. Like, they could have gone a better road, but, you know, ultimately she just gets (laughs) murdered by some headphone uh, silver cassette demon. So that was it. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like uh, I rewatched, for whatever reason, Revenge of the Nerds not long ago. Oh, Christ. Yeah. That's a very rapey movie. That's a super, yeah, that's a rape-tastic movie. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like, like so they, many of those movies are though, like yeah. Zapped. Zapped I is mean, really, really offensive in that way. Looking at it yeah, through modern eyes, especially like I don't know, like looking at or just thinking about Zapped, I wouldn't go back and look at it. But now that Scott Bayo is such a like moral crusader, oh yeah, uh, and it's like you were in a rape comedy. Like you have no <laughs> high ground to stand on. 
Ditto Willie Ames. He's Bible man now or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he is. I've I've had restaurant or uh, lunch in a restaurant uh, next to Willie Ames. Really? What was that like? <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was like, oh, hey, that's Willie Ames. This sandwich is pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was kind of a local in Kansas City when I lived there. He lived out in, I think it was, maybe it wasn't Lawrence, but he was around that area, so... Really? Uh, yeah, like there were. Th- I mean, that was my only Willie Ames sighting, but <laughs> apparently it was a pretty regular occurrence. I think, I think Mad talked about Willie, uh, sent me a clipping of Willie Ames from like the Kansas City Star or something, so that does make sense. But I didn't realize that uh, KC was uh, boasting, you know, Willie Ames is a local celebrity, like him and uh, Tech Nine and uh, um, somebody else from Kansas City was famous, right? Or is that it? Uh, uh, well, James Elroy lived there briefly, oh, but right. but that's he left. So <laughs> as I think many people do after a while, just like yeah, well, I'm gonna get out of here. Yeah, you left Casey. Uh, is that mm-hmm. something you want to discuss? Is there a story there that could be fun? Uh, not. I mean, it's the same way I leave every place. Probably the same <laughs> way that I'll leave Portland, which is just that. Um, I got, I got tired of it, and I felt stuck. And I am a I am a locationist, which means like I ascribe a lot of my emotional and mental well-being to like where I live. So I get these foolhardy notions that like, oh, if I just pick up and move somewhere, then I can like rewrite all the shit that I don't like about myself, uh, which never works out. But uh yeah, that's uh, that's basic. I mean, I left because like the economy was shitting the bed, and mm. I was. I mean, at that point, I was like four years into freelancing, and all my jobs were drying up, and I was like, "Shit, I don't know what to do." Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not a very good graphic designer. Like, I fell into it, and like with basically one huge client, uh, found another huge client, and that kept me pretty pretty well taken care of and then when those started fading away I was like I don't know how to hustle for work like I don't I don't know what I'm doing so it was at that point I was like well I could just lean into writing and like try to make writing pay off because it's literally the only thing that I have faith that I can do somewhat well without needing an education uh, in that direction so Portland had like two comic companies and a bunch of comics people who lived here and uh, my friends had just moved here, Matt and Kel uh, had just moved up here and it had offered me a room if I wanted to come visit and like somewhere to stay if I wanted to look for a place and I was just like, yeah, okay, like last minute, I was like, I'm gonna move so, Jesus um, Christ yeah, uh, it's the only time I've ever had that thing of like where I go like, hey, I have this dream. I'm going to set out to achieve it. And I actually did. So. um. Yeah, you're kind of like you're kind of like the inspiration story, because more so even than Matt, who, um, you know, casual listeners of this podcast, which is all of two people who know me, uh, will maybe know who I'm talking about. But I'm going to go ahead and name drop. It's the great Matt. Well, Matt Fraction is his stage name. Um, yeah, but he's sort of like a big deal in comics. And um, I, I don't remember like when he kind of became a big deal in comics, when like people that I don't know that I would sort of say, hey, I know Matt Fraction would get like suddenly excited to talk to me. But like mm-hmm. um, he definitely is um, like become sort of a thing. But I, and I know like he's got a name and a following. But like like the day he got a Wikipedia page, I knew Matt was for real. But um, like I kind of don't even have one. You don't even have one, do you? I know I looked earlier to do some research in your books and I didn't see when you should get one of because apparently you're not a real person now in the in the world of fame. Start one like I can't go start it because that's just the height of vanity. So I assume Matt started his own. No, like, you know, we can talk shit about him for a minute. Like he must have. No, I mean, like Matt wrote (laughs) for fucking, uh, you know, he wrote X-Men and Iron Man. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah. All, all my dalliances with, like, big two stuff have been pretty small, so... You wrote for Marvel, didn't you? Um, I co-wrote. I co-wrote, like, five issues of Captain Marvel um, and two issues of Fantastic Four. That's pretty big. I mean, that's... 
Fantastic yeah. Four is, you know, Captain Marvel, I don't, I've never read a single issue, but Fantastic Four is big. Yeah, but, you know, it's like co-writing is such a weird thing. Like, nobody, like, there's good and bad to it. Like, on the good side, it's like, if it's a total dog, then everybody's just going to blame the regular <laughs> writer. Um, but if it's great, then everybody's just going to praise the regular writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're sort of like... Uh, you're trying to make yourself as visible as possible. Like, hey, look at me. I did something on this. But ultimately, uh, in the memory of fans uh, or casual like readers, they're, they're not going to be like, oh, I should check out some more stuff by this guy. Because it's like, how do you tell who wrote what? You don't. Yeah. So I think most people just assume like, oh, this is probably the person who's been writing this book I love for you know the last several months. Uh which is a totally fair assumption. I would probably, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to figure out, like, hmm, who did this? So, I get it. But, I mean, you did eventually, I mean, your first book, I thought, was, uh, um, the, I mean, that was, you were writing your own books before you were co-writing, right? Or did you, like, get your foot in the door by co-writing with other people? No, I, yeah, I got in, initially, I co-wrote this book, Screamland. That's um, right, that's the one, yeah. But that was, so, wasn't that your idea, though? Um, I mean, the idea for that arc was, but the, you know, the original idea of Screamland belonged to uh, uh, my former writing partner and uh, the artist. So this was like the second arc of it. Um, so, no, I just came up with a scenario that I thought like, hey, that would probably fit in the Screamland universe. And then Harold was into it and we wrote it and somehow Image said yes to it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's how I broke in. But, like, again, like, I was a total unknown. So I feel like anybody who really dug it wasn't going to be like, oh, well, it must be this dude. Oh, I don't know. I, I think it's just because I know you and I was sort of rooting for you that I just assumed it was, like, all you and the other guy was just some fucking guy who, like, you know, <laughs> tweaked a couple lines of dialogue or something, some punch-up dude or whatever, and you were just the brains behind the operation. But so No, no. <laughs> Pardon me for, for ascribing more credit to you than you deserve. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> but so I was thinking about this earlier when I was thinking, all right, we're going to do a podcast with Chris. Um, I calculated that we've known each other for 24 years, which uh, I don't know if you realize that or not. No, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I knew it's I mean, yeah, I know it's been a while, but uh, I hadn't done the math in a while. Well, I did, and the math was upsetting, because <laughs> 24 is a long time. That means we have to get each other something nice next year. 25 is coming up, you're right. I don't know what I'm going to get you, but... I don't, yeah, me either. Maybe but. I could pay, I was thinking I could pay you all the back rent from the, you know, the biggest uh, arc of our friendship, <laughs> which I want to discuss briefly, which is when I slept on your couch for, I don't know, how many months was that? At least a year, oh, maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all, <laughs> that whole time in my life is a blur now, so... <laughs> Yeah, so Chris moved into a studio apartment, his first apartment, and uh, I helped him find the apartment, which is sort of how I guess I felt that I had the right to crash on your couch for... Well, I, I, I offered it to you. Like. You offered it as like a <laughs> as an emergency, I don't have a place to stay, so I can crash on Chris's couch thing, but I sort of took it way longer than I probably should have, but... Yeah, who knows? Like, you know, at no point was I like... <laughs> You know, I, I never, like, set, like, a time limit in my head. I was just, like, I don't know. At that time, it was, like, oh, cool, I'm going to have a roommate. Like, I've never had a roommate before. A roommate, um, a roommate in a studio apartment, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's where things break down is, uh, <laughs> is yeah, trying to fit two human beings into a studio apartment. Like, you're going you're gonna to run into some issues. Yeah. Like, so we ran into some issues, but like we got through it. Yeah, like we're still friends. I don't so. think uh, it was as bad as it could. All things considered, I I don't know how we kind of made it through that because we didn't really have like a huge blow up or anything. But it just maybe got tense once or twice. But uh, I really expected oh, sure. it to go horribly. I I, I thought it would. I'm sure the bridge would have been burned if it was anybody else. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it, it it's a testament to how well we sort of uh, get along <laughs> that we were like. Yeah, like, and we could, like, for the most part, read each other's moods pretty well. I mean, like, back then, I was just, like, a sort of a, 
a fountain of of rage. So you were. I was I was kind of radiating <laughs> that at all times, but I guess there were certain times where I I radiated it a bit more intensely than others. Well, there was only a few moments where I could tell, like I should, like you get home from work and you'd be in like this mood where work was really bad and you were just obviously feeling like venomous. And I kind of felt like, yeah, I should just walk for three hours around town and uh, see if Chris has cooled off. And I'd come home and the entire place would be rearranged. Like all the furniture would be in different places. Those were Mm -hmm. good. But, you know, you managed to like feng shui the shit out of that studio, though. Yeah, I I had several different iterations. (laughs) Uh, You know, that was my my modular days. Now I, I, yeah, as soon as I get shit where it goes, it's like, Oh, really? I I, I always thought you were a little bit more... uh, like organized by that um yeah like i don't know like i know i i went through a hot like the first few places i lived i was hyper clean um <laughs> that shit went away which like i think was a result of living because when i first moved into that studio i was not and i remember coming home one day and i was like this place is fucking trashed like there's just crap everywhere and it's like i only have I can't, like, walk out and close the door and be like, oh, okay, I can ignore this mess now. It was like, no, this is my house. Like, I live in this one room. Um, and, yeah, something, like, snapped in me, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I have to grow up and start, like, cleaning. And then I be- then, I- then I just, like, you know, it's like people who quit smoking or become, like, hardcore vegans. I just, like, became really, really intense about it. Yeah, you did kind of for a while there. So speaking of quitting smoking, how's that going? Uh, I'm smoking as we speak. Okay, so, so there you go. Yeah. It's going great. <laughs> so, okay, you're still on the habit. That's good. I'm glad, in a way, I kind of want you to keep smoking. Uh, no offense to your health, but... Uh, no, I, no. Because I quit a while ago, and it's like I kind of like having friends who still smoke who can kind of like just keep that, part of the pun, torch burning, if you will. Yeah, that was a thing. When I listen, I listened to your first episode and like heard you talk about stuff like oh yeah when you turn like 40 like you can't eat like that anymore and i think i've just started to like hit that wall Ooh. uh and i never thought it like it never was a an issue to me at all um and yeah just recently i was like oh fuck like <laughs> am i am i going through the change of life like is this like now i can't put away an entire pizza uh, nope. and go on go on with my evening <laughs> it's gonna happen it'll happen to you dude it's called aging oh, i hit it yeah no it's, uh. it's starting it's starting and it's like oh fuck like that was like the worst kind of confirmation was just hearing you idly talk about it and i was like oh shit <laughs> Yeah, no, not me, not so much. Like, uh, I mean, this is the first drink I've had in a couple months. Oh, I don't yeah. really drink, so yeah. I want to um, thank you because I know you said you were going to get some drinks on your end to keep up the tradition. Um, I mean, this is podcast number two, so what fucking tradition? But of uh, drinking and, and talking. So, what are you drinking? So we can tell everybody. Uh, I am drinking what you what you were bagging on last week—a Jack and Coke. <laughs> Oh, you're having a Jack and Coke. Okay, good yeah. for you, I guess. Well, I figured, like, I, Jack is just, like, it's garbage. Like, it's not very good. So who cares if I put some Coke in it? Like, so my, I, I, I yeah, I'm not, I like mixed drinks. Like, uh, I, I will totally drink some, some bear whiskey sometimes, but mostly I like to have a drink as, like, a, like I'm drinking to suddenly get drunk. Like, I'm not just drinking for funsies. Like, it's like, okay, I, I need to get, like, if I'm starting <laughs> drinking, then my goal is to get shit-faced. Oh. And the best way for me to do it is to hide it from myself. Like, like hey, here's a little Coca-Cola because it's what you drink as a kid. It's nothing. It's all mm-hmm. innocent, you know. Yeah. And, and then the like, whiskey oh, sneaks t- up on you and, oh, you're fine. I taste it in there. But, you know, it's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. But also I forgot to... Uh, go buy liquor so um i was like looking around my apartment and i have these this this collection of four flasks on my mantle um and two of them have booze in them so good okay see i'm a little worried because a lot of my friends are getting sober and i'm sort of like i want to have them on but i'm afraid they're going to feel this pressure to like get fucked up because the podcast is predicated on uh kind of like hanging out in a bar and having drinks and talking with friends but 
you know, I'm glad you're uh, willing to look past that and, and pour yourself a Jack, a Jack and Coke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I like sobriety is not my kick, so yeah. that's fine. Well, beer like, isn't like booze hasn't really ever been your main. Like I've ne- you, you've rarely um, indulged since I've been around you. Like I always like I think I've seen you have like two or three drinks in my time. Like it's not something I'm used to seeing you do. But you're yeah, not like a teetotaler. Like, you just don't really do it like with relish. Yeah, like, and if I do it, like, for the most part, I'm I'm looking to get, like, trashed. Okay. Um, but I, I always found booze too expensive, uh, and I was just, like, too much of a cheapskate. And, and also, like, booze just, like, kind of makes me, kind of hollows me out a bit and sort of makes me a little worthless. Like, uh, like if I get drunk, then it's like, okay, now I'm going to make a really bad food decision, and now I'm going to, like... <laughs> Now I'm going to watch, like, 18 uh, Russian dash cam compilations on YouTube <laughs> until I pass out on the couch. Um, so, so yeah, I'm much more of a, a, a weed smoker. Like, that is my, that yeah. is my medium of choice. That's, and that's... Uh, it's legal here in Portland, so, like, which is pretty... A pretty good way to be a weed smoker. Sure, because you're not, like, you know, making the cartel rich, so that's awesome. Yeah, and it's like I no longer, like, like I can take weed with me to places and I don't have to, like, uh, what if I get pulled over? What's my, like, what's what's my maneuver to get out of this? Um, and, but, I mean, there are downsides, which is that, like, you know, impulse weed purchases are dangerous. Um, Wait, by which do you mean, like, the impulse to just buy crazy kinds of weed or, like, you're high and you just buy shit you never would have oh, bought? Oh, no. The the former um because there there's a dispensary that's like so i'm on 60th and it's on like 54th oh jesus yeah it's pretty close it's open till 10 p.m so like at 9 p.m i can get a wild hair up my ass and be like i'm going to get a pre-rolled joint and i will smoke the whole thing and then i'll see where the evening takes me um and you know i have if that place isn't working for me i have at least two others within walking distance from there so uh, it's kind of dangerous because it's just like oh yeah i could just like eh, i'll stop by and buy some more weed i don't need it but i might in the future i mean i will in the future so of course you never it's sort of like me with uh i don't know if you guys have binnies the, the liquor depot out there but we uh, do not Binnie's is like this thing and I'm guessing more than Chicago, but in Chicago, it's this sort of like liquor superstore. It's kind of like Target for liquor, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there, there are several locations, but like the first time I went to a Binnie's, uh, it was like your average liquor store, but the Mega Mart version of it. And um, like I walked out of there with so many bottles of whiskey and the kind that, you know, some, all of which I ended up drinking eventually. But like I kind of went in there for like a bottle of whiskey and a six pack of beer and I'll be good for a while. And I ended up walking out with like, well, I got to try the like Lafroig scotch and I got to try like this fucking uh, rye that was on sale and all these things. Yes. It's just like it, it, they're sort of pushing you to try all these high end things and even low end things that they're just like, hey, we got a special sale on like this fucking piss that you would never think to drink in your life. But like, here you go. It's six dollars. Why don't you take a bottle? Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, the the nice thing about legal weed is that, like, um, pretty much everything has a pretty low price threshold. I think the most expensive stuff gets here is, like, $14 a gram. Um, Oh. It is cheaper to be a pothead, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, So... So, yeah, like I, at least on that score and you can't buy they raised the limit recently. So now you can buy an ounce at a time, um, <clears throat> which I don't know who would need to buy that much. But it sounds can. like a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, um, that's a that's a you know, like if you're a heavy smoker, like that's probably I mean, if you're smart about it, that's a month of getting high um if you're smart about it but are you ever you know sort of buried in in weed and just figure like well fuck it i'm gonna have a lost weekend kind of like a lost weekend of me would be like drinking a bottle of whiskey yeah i mean like (laughs) honestly like every weekend's a lost weekend like or has the potential to be like i don't i get high pretty regularly it's just like i don't know ever since i started freelancing it's been part of my work day. Um, like, and it's just sort of incorporated itself into my, uh, my work habits and lifestyle. So 
I remember when you uh, had your last actual job. Uh-huh. And, sorry, I'm opening another beer as we speak. So here we go. Um, and you actually, uh, if I can say without embarrassing you, you got fired from your last job that you ever really had. Oh, yeah. Your last office job, I should say. And uh, it wasn't a job that you necessarily loved, like you were happy to have been fired. And I remember you called me when I was at my job, which was at the law firm, uh, to sort of, I want to say brag about how you'd gotten shit can. <laughs> like, guess what, Vinny? I just got fired. And, uh, and I was talking to you for a minute, and suddenly I heard this pause, and I heard, like, the flick of a lighter, which, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, I just heard as well. Um, but and I just said, are you getting high right now? And you just, without pausing, were like, yes. Like, no shame whatsoever. It's like, fuck it. It's yeah. 2 in the afternoon. I just got fired. I'm getting stoned. Yeah, and here I, I am at work, like, like, pissed off, like, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm one of the good stoners. I'm not one of those assholes who's, like, you know, like representing stoner culture or all the worst parts of stoner culture. Like I'm not, I just, I like to get high. I like to do it at home. Occasionally I will do it out of home, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not an asshole about it. I don't center my life around it. It's just a nice, uh, like, uh, life accessory for me. Well, and it lets me like do shit and kind of, uh, dials my anxiety way down. I think, uh, well, I mean, that is, I, I'm sure that's true. And, and I, I think I've witnessed that personally because you weren't really like smoking weed on a regular basis when we lived together, when you were talking about the days when you were sort of like full of rage. Uh, I think like since that became a thing for you of, you know, more regularly using uh, that medicine, we'll call it, uh, like you have sure. been fairly mellow. Um, I could have sworn that like you were, I remember there being a turning point uh, and it was when I was in the studio and I thought you still live there. Um, but I remember I worked at Bennigan's on Michigan Avenue. Yes. Um, and, you know, like occasionally I'd work the closing shift and there were a couple of dudes like one was a line cook. Maybe they were both line cooks or one was a host or another bus boy. But, yeah, after work, we would go to Lower Wacker and smoke a blunt. Um or we did once, and then we did it the next night. And I remember coming back, and I think you were in the apartment. And I remember you being like, "Are you high again?" <laughs> like, because it was two nights in a row. That's so judgmental and, of me. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, it's fine." Um, and yeah, I think like I, I always think of that moment as like maybe that's where I started to embrace it. No, uh, no, where, you actually. I mean, you were not uh, opposed to smoking weed then. Like, it was just not something you did. As regularly, like in retrospect, it doesn't seem like something you were doing regularly. Maybe at the no, moment I, it seemed yeah. like, oh, my roommate's a pothead because I was so not anti-marijuana, but it's just never been my thing. And sure. here I am like getting drunk, like on malt liquor on your fucking couch, uh, drinking like fucking uh, like uh, Mickey's Big Mouths and shit and like complaining about you coming home. <laughs> I do remember like coming home after one night of drinking heavily with my friends at the bookstore and like sitting down and, I, and you kind of had this thing where you'd rented movies and, and like ordered pizza for us. And like I sat down, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And you were like, I ordered pizza and rented a movie. And uh, I just sat in the couch. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. And then proceeded to immediately pass out. And I remember you being so pissed <laughs> off at me because it's like my fucking roommate's an alcoholic. So I had no room to be like complaining about your pot smoking. Yeah, I don't think you were judgmental. I think you were more like shocked. Like, <laughs> really? You're you're this stone two nights in a row? <laughs> well, when you got high, yeah, you it, were not like fucking around getting high. Like you were really getting high. It wasn't like. See, that's the thing. I think we were talking about when you when you do drink, when you decide like I'm going to drink tonight. It's like I'm not going to go out and have a casual after dinner. I'm not going to have an aperitif. I'm going to go get fucked yeah. up. And I kind of feel like sometimes when, when you were getting high back then, it wasn't like I'm going to like, you know, do the thing we did in, the, you know, maybe in the 80s and have a, have a little bit of a joint and then be like, yeah, dude. But you were like, no, I'm going to smoke <laughs> the shit out of every I'm going to smoke my body weight in marijuana and just fucking that's going to be me tonight. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, pretty much. Um, I It also like hit me harder back then. Like now, you know, my tolerance is so much higher, so I have to work harder. Um but back then, I could do, like, a one-hitter or two, and, like, I could literally, like, feel the tendons in my hands, like, extending and shit. And, I, like, that would be an hour of my time. It's <laughs> just sitting there bending my fingers and my elbow and being like, this is so cool. 
since we're on this subject, and maybe we should, mm-hmm. we, and we'll exhaust this and move on. But do you remember when you bought this weed from this girl we knew at college, who was like this blonde girl who looked like Julie Delphi, and uh, she was like a part-time dealer, and she sold you, um, you know, some weed, and you were like the whole, every like you would you were kind of like going through it leisurely you weren't like blazing through every like you kind of let it like linger for a number of weeks but every time you would smoke it you would be like i swear to god there's some shit in here this is laced with something because this is not normal like this has got like pcp or something in it because this is fucked up like you would get high and then you would complain about how high you were to me and i'd be i had like no frame of reference because i like didn't do any of that shit i'm like yeah "Yeah, i think i was just i was an amateur is that it yeah, like the what's what is the what is the cost incentive of lacing your weed with PCP? Like it doesn't make sense on a business level. No. Like you're giving away two drugs for the price of one? Like that's crazy. That's true. So yeah. no, it was just like I got a really good strong strain of weed and my my brain was like what the shit? I don't you know normally I'm smoking like cheap ditch weed and this is really really good so clearly it must be laced with PCP <laughs> it can't uh, just be that it's good and I don't know what I'm doing yeah it's kind of like me the first time I got really like, like I remember there was a, one time I got really really drunk for I don't want to say the first time but really early on and I was convinced it was something I ate that made me sick I was like, oh, yeah. I must have ate some bad food because I threw up all night long. It's like, it's not the <laughs> fact that I decided to actually switch from drinking a beer or two, like a high school dude who thinks he's cool, to actually like drinking whiskey and uh, pretending I can handle it. Like I'm, you know, a 40-year-old dude is mature. And here I am like, you know, 21 years old, like at a bar, like give me some doers. And then I just drank a shitload of that. And the next day I'm like, well, I shouldn't have eaten that bad gyro. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've always, I mean, I guess except for me thinking, that one time that I, and I remember buying weed from that girl. So you do um, remember her? I do. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember I, that was the one time I bought from her and I like went over to her apartment. It was a really strange vibe. Like I couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> um, so I think that added to my overall confusion. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I, I've always been pretty good at being aware of like, oh, here's where I fucked up. Like um, every time I've like gotten sick while drinking, uh, I I can go back and track like, oh, that's because I drank a, you know, like most of a 40 ounce and then I switched to Jack Daniels. Yeah. Um, and it's like, of course you got sick. Like that's like you're pouring, you know, like slightly better poison on top of like straight up poison. Um so, yeah, and these days, like, I don't know, uh, I never get that far out, uh, though I try. Um, well, you know, just keep a, swinging for the fences. I mean, you know, yeah, eventually. I've been buying, I, yeah, like I've been exploring all the new avenues of weed technology. <laughs> I have, oh, Jesus. Uh, I have, I've, uh, you know, I've gotten uh, wax and shatter and uh, uh, which requires you have to buy a, like a vape pen for it. Um, but like people who make it, it's basically like the, the crack or the meth of weed. Like in order to make it, you have to use butane. So like there have been a number of house explosions of people who are trying to make this stuff and they just like fill their house with butane and then it blows up. See, this is why I don't smoke weed because I'm not into the whole like, like science element of it and technology. Like I'm so low tech that if I can't just like open a bottle, pour it, then I'm, it just confuses and frustrates me. I'm becoming they a have, real old yeah. man. But they have it like, you know, they have edibles and drinkables now. So like it could not be easier for you to get on board. So if like, I moved to Portland, I could become some kind of a, I, I could find some way of like getting marijuana into my system besides the entire, like you have to like, Build or construct some sort of thing to, to no, get it. No, yeah, team. none of that. Like, you just go to a store, uh, you show them your ID, they let you in a room. Um, you can buy, you know, your flower, you can buy it as like a weird liquid, um, or you can buy edibles, and you know, you know precisely how much you're getting with like each thing. Um, and yeah, then you just like go home and party, party all or stay night, out and party. Yeah. yeah, party and rock and that's, roll all that's night. What it's all about and party every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
to cap off the entire draw. See, I tied it back to the kiss thing. That's what's called a callback. Um, so to kind of bring back to the drug conversation, maybe to a possible conclusion, um, do you remember, and again, if this is a story you don't like, we can edit it out. So, um, but do you remember when you dropped acid, uh, in the uh-huh. studio part of days? came to your house? Well, okay. There's that one. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's the story I'd love where I, you mean the one like, where you were babysitting me and then you were like, I'm going to go back to my apartment and sleep. Are you okay? And yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally fine. And then <laughs> like 30 minutes after you left, I took two more hits of LSD and then I, and then I went to the beach and, and then went I went swimming, swimming in my clothes. At like two yeah. in the morning, you went swimming in the fucking No, lagoon. no, dude, that was like six or 7 a.m. Really? That late? I remember I was listening to I was listening to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> what else to listen to when you're on acid than fucking Genesis with Peter Gabriel? It yes. was so good, dude. Like it's a great album. Uh, it's one of my favorite yeah, albums. And I, just, <laughs> I just remember sitting on the beach in Lincoln Park and like listening to it and just being like, I'm gonna go in that fucking water. Uh <laughs> And I was like, how am I going to do that? I was like, I got to put all my shit somewhere. And like, then I became, I probably lost like an hour just contemplating, like, how am I going to secure my shit? And I can't go (laughs) too far out because somebody might come and steal my shit. Um, Especially at that time, like people like, well, you have the advantage of being kind of a big dude. Like nobody fucks with you because, uh, especially back then, because you did kind of have like a very intimidating presence and you're fairly tall and just solid so like nobody really messed with you but like if, if my scrawny ass was uh, you know going for a swim at six in the morning on that beach i would have gotten mugged for sure <laughs> but you it's just no, like no it this was... guy looks like he could be a neo-nazi we don't know sure he had a no, shaved head was... back then uh no i still had like i only had that shaved head briefly i don't think it was during that point oh but... so you did actually have the the wisps there's something grew I back do... Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, like, it was... I don't remember. I get it all conflated in my head of, like... I just remember you showing up to work one day with a shaved head, and we were like, that's so awesome. Like, Chris mm-hmm. looks hardcore. He looks like a dude you just would never go near, because he would just but fuck I never, you up. Do you remember I didn't... It wasn't all completely shaved, because, like, my fucking razor broke? No. Um, yeah, there was, like, a whole, like, <laughs> patch on the back of my head. Oh, that's that, right. Like, <laughs> you had a <laughs> patch like, that didn't come off. You had a... I was like, my... You, you had a nine ten shaved head. Yeah, yeah, it was really awful. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, I yeah, like LSD was always a, a problem drug for me because I never made. Lately, I've been thinking about trying it again. Um, I kind of want to do this thing called microdosing, where you put like LSD in a bottle of water and then you just like take a couple sips, a couple times a day. So, like, you're getting very minimal effects, but it's supposed to, like, sort of elucidate your thinking and stuff. Um, <clears throat> well, that could be good for the over 40 crowd. But. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and you don't have to commit to, like, okay, well, how the next 10 hours of my life are spoken for. Like, back then, it was like, thank Christ, the next 10 hours of my life are spoken for. Like, what the fuck else am I going to do? I have no money and nothing to do. So why not trip balls? Um but now it's like, ugh, I don't have that much time. Like, yeah, that seems like a commitment. I much prefer drinking and passing out and waking up and going to work. Mm-hmm. That's the way to be. Well, that's the thing. Like, that night, I remember, to sort of get back to, like, I know you. Were, I left you. Like, my role for years uh, in those days was the guy who would babysit all the people on LSD or mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Like, people sure. would drop, and they'd be like, well, Vinny's around, so we won't kill ourselves. <laughs> like, I won't jump <laughs> off a roof tonight as long as Vince sticks around. And so I had this, like, weird responsibility where I was like, I better watch these people. And then that time, I'm like, you know what? Chris is fine. I'm done babysitting him. I'm just going to go home and get some rest. Mm-hmm. And then you showed up in my apartment at I don't know what time in the morning, and, that was uh, probably around, yeah, like 8 a.m. I think I waited until I was like, 8 a.m. is good. You should be up. <laughs> and I was totally not. But And then yeah. you rang my buzzer and I let you up and you're soaking wet from head to toe. And you're like, I just went uh, swimming. I'm on acid. I just went swimming in Lake Michigan. I took, <laughs> I took more after you left. <laughs> yeah, I just Why did you do acid. that? <laughs> <laughs> is that what I, I said? 
Yeah. You Why like, did you Why do that? Why did you do that? <laughs> of course. And I was like, I just wanted to let you know I'm A-OK. I'm going to go back to my apartment, and I'll be there for the rest of the day. Bye. Uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome on your part to let me know that you were, like, OK, even though you dropped more acid after I left. I had uh, to tell somebody I dropped more acid, so. Uh, well, that's like, the. I, I was thinking of another time when you and I were uh, still living together in the studio, and I got off work at the bookstore and you were like, I'm going to drop acid tonight. And I'm like, cool, I'll hang out with you and do whatever, drink a beer or whatever, watch you, watch you get fucked up and listen to the funny shit you say. And uh, we watched the movie Strange Days. That was the same time. No, wasn't it? no, it was yeah. different. Was it? It was. Oh, OK. I thought I still lived with you at the time. I didn't know. You lived one block over in that. Oh, weird I did live a block over. That's right. And that fucking yeah. apartment I squatted in for a while that I never paid any rent on. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I was subletting <laughs> allegedly and I never paid a nickel in rent. I just kept staying there until they just kind of I heard they were coming to kick me out. and I moved out in the middle of the night. <laughs> but yeah, that was a weird yeah. studio with like a loft in it. Uh-huh. I remember that place, yeah. Because I remember yeah. the, the funny thing about that night is before I left you, uh, the Bulls had just won um, whatever the whatever in basketball it is you win when no, you win no. everything. No, no, you're, you're conflating to, okay. So that's like, the one I'm thinking of is the time the Bulls won. Yeah, no, that time I had taken acid with a, like, childhood friend of mine who I don't talk to anymore. Uh, and we, like, walked around Lincoln Park and stuff and, like, walked up to... Uh, I, I, is that like Would that be called The Gold Coast Like where the village uh, The village theater is? Yeah that's the Gold yeah. Coast Yeah Yeah so we like We walked around up there And then came back And then I Then we split up And I went to my apartment Yeah and then I remember The Bulls winning And we like I think we walked over to Tower Yeah we hung um, out on Belden and Clark <laughs> To watch all the idiots uh, Going down the street In their cars Screaming uh, and, and, and like Joyously screaming Because the Bulls won For like the third time in a row, right. which I guess is a big deal, but neither of us being sports fans, we were kind of like, I didn't want to go. And I remember exactly what you said to me when you heard it from outside your apartment, because your, your back window kind of looked on Clark Street. And you're like, oh, the, the Bulls was the one. Listen to all these assholes. And I'm like, ugh, fuck them. And you're like, let's go out. And I'm like, no. And you're like, dude, <laughs> I'm on acid and people on acid pray for shit like this to happen so they can it's enjoy true. their shit more. And we went out and watched everybody like this parade of like screaming people. And I guess when you were on, when you're tripping, that must've been awesome, but I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. It's like, that was like strange days, except like I was, <laughs> I, I was inside of it. And to me, I was just sitting there like, all right, I'm sitting in a fountain on Belden and Clark outside a tower. I'm watching all these people get very excited and throw eggs because the because a sports team just won, uh, which I don't give a shit about. And uh, my friend here is tripping and I have this weird obligation to make sure that he doesn't, I don't know, do whatever people do when they're tripping. That's I dangerous. think that one was pretty light, though. Like I was only on like maybe half a tab. Uh, OK, well, nevertheless, so. that might have been the first time I was around you when you were tripping. Sure. Because, you know, my experience was, I, I don't know if I ever told you, but like one of my best friends when I was a, like a, on the south side before I moved up north, um, when he dropped acid once, he like had a complete, I'm not kidding, nervous breakdown that lasted yeah. in like a week of being confined in an institution and like him like punching all of us in the face and spitting at us and losing his shit and trying to jump out a window. And we had to like save his life several times. So to me, it was like, okay, people on acid could freak out. I better be. I better be responsible. Like I got all dad like. Right. <laughs> Doesn't help that right. I'm older than all of you too. Uh, by a couple. Well, of years. it was appreciated by all of us, all of us <laughs> druggies. Like, that I could like be at, there. at least Vinny's around. Like he'll 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 make sure nothing too horrible happens. And then you all left town, and I sank into my deepest uh, level of drinking uh, and depression. <laughs> and where the fuck were all of you when I was like, you know? Getting loaded every we're, night. We were on our own dark journeys. <laughs> but, eh, well, it all worked out, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, could be worse, but, you know, um, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, okay, as long as you don't have any sort of residual feelings of upset or guilt or anger or resentment or whatever. No, that's that's why I do drugs. So I don't <laughs> have to feel those things. I'm trying to like I'm trying to turn this into like Mark Marin and Louis C.K. Like you know, on their <laughs> podcast where they reconcile. Like we have nothing to reconcile, but like I still mm -hmm. think it'd be funny to have like two like friends who don't live together like near each other anymore. Like 
like have this podcast moment it's awkward as shit where we're just like do you remember that time you did this I never forgave you for that but like I'm ready to forgive you now (laughs) (laughs) since we've exhausted the drug stories and the um, the recollections uh, we briefly talked about some of your comics is there anything you want to kind of like you know fucking chill right now and promote like feel free um, to do. not that like anyone who's listening to this doesn't already know you but like feel free to let us know what you're up sure. to sure um yeah i'm writing uh i'm writing blue beetle for dc right now is that a um, is that a is that like an established thing blue beetle i should know what that is or yeah yeah he's an established <laughs> character he's been around he was like he and booster gold are really good friends i don't know who that is what you don't know booster gold fuck is booster oh, gold man uh, Booster Gold is uh, from the future, but like he came back to the past and basically became like he he like sort of was a superhero who was a celebrity first. Really? So, like he en- he endorsed a lot of brands and stuff. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, I know none of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of odd. Uh, but yeah, Blue Beetle's a dude in a beetle suit who flies a giant mechanical beetle around. He's kind of a mechanical expert. But that was the old Blue Beetle, and the Blue Beetle I am doing is uh, is Jaime Reyes, who is a, a high school student who has this, like, alien technology fused to him that forms this Blue Beetle suit, and he goes out and fights bad dudes. <coughs> so are you, like, updating this because you want to, or is this a director from a publisher? Uh, no, I mean, that, that, that new... Like the new order is well established. I'm just like I've been asked to come in and write a five issue story. Um, like the current writer is moving on to something else, so they needed someone else, and I was, I I was just like sitting around and said, sure, I'll do that. See, that's that's something that's kind of curious because somebody asked me um, recently because I have a friend of mine, um, actually the kid uh, from the last podcast, Jason, who's an aspiring writer. Like he lent me the, the last comic I read, he lent he lent it to me, um, which was uh, like a Garth Ennis book about zombies or some shit like that. I think it's called Crossed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know shit about comics these days, and that's not because I'm above it. I just don't fucking follow it because it's so fast moving and I'm slow. But, sure. like, that's the thing that he asked me is, like, because I told him, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast tonight with this kid I know who uh, writes for, writes comics, and he writes a lot of other shit, too. And he's like, how do you get into comics? I'm like, that's what I'm curious. Like, I, I think, like, some of the time it's people come to him and say, hey, here's a job. Will you do it? And then some of it's, like, I'm pitching something I kind of, not that I don't want to do the other thing, but, like, here's a project I came up with. So is it, like, a little yeah. adult? Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm shooting for is, like, a nice mixture of both. Um and doing it, I guess, like, um, I, like I'm, I, I, I like to do. So in the comics world, there's basically like two kinds of projects. There's, there's work for hire, which is you know anything at Marvel or DC or licensed characters, and then there's creator owned, which is where you know you as the creator have created it uh, wholly from your head, and so you own. Uh, you have ownership stake in it, um, but you know uh, it's it's hard to find people who will pay you to do your creator-owned ideas. So I imagine, yeah. I mean, but it does happen. Like, I mean, I've had a couple books now that uh, like established publishers have been like, "We want to do this book," and so now we co-own it together. Um, That's good. Cool. By and large, like, uh, you know, you're you're funding your own books. So the work for hire stuff helps, one, to keep you alive and two, to help you, like, pay artists and colorists and letterers. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like I mean, I just went through this where I just pitched a book to Image, um, which we had been. We had to put together like the first five pages of art and colors and letters and I had to put together like a three page typed up document that sort of explained like here's what the world's like and here's what the story is and here's how long I see it going. Um, And then you submit it and hope that something happens. Um, So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's like any sort of freelance really. It's like you're just out there hustling um, you know, trying to find 
trying to find gigs, trying to find uh, new new connections that'll like lead you to editors and people who care and can like make decisions about stuff like that. And you always work with artists. You don't draw any of the stuff yourself. I know, right? No, I mean I do graphic design, which is as close to like doing art as I ever get. So oh, okay, I have done. I I have done a cover like that has been published, so I can. I can call myself a, <laughs> a a cover artist, but uh, and which but book yeah. was which book was this? Uh, it was my first like publisher picked up uh, creator own book. It was called Dead Letters. Oh, I remember that. Um, yeah. See, these are titles that I remember from seeing your Twitter uh, activity more like following your career. Um, even though I've read like you've published like so many fucking sh- things, and I've read like five out of twelve, maybe. <laughs> so it sucks because yeah. I'm a shitty friend in that way. But it's just hard to keep no, up. No. You're very prolific. It's hard to keep up with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now I have like, in terms of like projects that like have been signed up with publishers or greenlit, like or just things that I am actively working on. I mean, I have like fifteen different books uh in some sort of progress so but that's i mean like because that's where i i fucked up on freelancing like when i did it as a graphic designer um was i i was just like well like i have work coming in and that's cool and that'll last forever right <laughs> and it's like no no not at all no um, 2008 like, yeah. sort of soured that shit but yeah, and that was the thing that did it to me. And then suddenly, like, uh, my my clients were like, yeah, we're not going to pay you anymore. We're not doing it. Like, we're moving everything in-house was a big thing that started happening around then. Um, so now it's like, you know, I have to be, like, I'm thinking about, like, okay, what am I going to be doing in 2019? Um, Jesus. Like, I'm, yeah, because I, well, even just like at the beginning of this year, I finished writing this book uh, for DC called Injustice Ground Zero. And it was like a really cool book. I'm really glad I got to work on it. But as soon as it was done, I looked around and I was like, oh, I don't have any, like, I don't have any more work for hire lined up. And, you know, I don't have any, like, pitches greenlit anywhere. Um, and I just like panicked because uh, because I was like, oh, shit, what have I done? Like, I just got I got really comfortable, which is a thing you should not do um, if you're freelancing. So then I just like went into overdrive mode and I've like finished a bunch of pitches and started pitching them. And then they started getting picked up. And now I'm in this situation where I'm just like uh, I've dug a sizable hole for myself. I'm pretty happy with the hole, but like it's. It's a lot of work ahead, so. Yeah, it's, I, I I don't envy that, frankly. I mean, I think I had about, like, maybe a month, so it's really hard for me to, like, even envision uh, thinking ahead to 2019, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But you've made a go at it. I mean, you haven't had an actual, like, desk job, office job since 2006. Six. Yeah. Yeah, this is. And then you yeah, had, you had, like, several years of freelancing where you were making pretty good bang because I remember like the story I always think about is when we went to Europe and you were like yeah I'll go to Europe it's what the fuck who cares I can just take money mm-hmm. and fly um, and, and just do that for two weeks and then like that was 2008 like yeah, August that was like 2008 last, that was like my last real vacation <laughs> Because you um, could, and then like we yeah. came, home, we came home, and suddenly the economy went to shit. Like literally a month after we got back, it was like everything fell apart. And yeah. you're like, oh, I can't do that anymore because I actually don't have any more clients. Yeah, no that that was like the craziest year of my life, just in terms of like I made, I mean, like I made more money that year than I ever made working a real job. Um, <laughs> Like and I only topped it in 2014, which was my my first year of full time writing. Uh, I made the most money I've ever made in a year. Uh, but like, yeah, it was crazy. It was just like, fuck, I have all this money. Like I can do. Like, and I was living in that post office in Kansas City. I had like, I lived in a building that was like half a city block and was a hundred plus years old. Um, my rent was like. Under six hundred dollars. Was that the bill? Um, was that the place where you would just like ride your bike through it or something? It was so uh-huh, big. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was Kansas City's first post office um, that got closed when the bottoms all flooded. Uh, and I was technically squatting there because um, my landlord was squatting. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it got really convoluted, uh, and I, I ended up like having to give like an affidavit for a court case or something. But um, so you've but squatted yeah. too. That's good. I'm not alone. In I've, this. Yeah, right, I didn't good. realize I was squatting. I mean, I sort of half knew, but um, but yeah, that year was just like I was like, yeah, I'll go to Europe for two and a half weeks. Like, oh my god, um, I can't and believe even just like while I was on the trip, like I remember, I think you and Lo went and did something out, but it was like me, Darren, and Ben went to this restaurant in Lisbon called Snob, <laughs> um, which I had like. I'd seen it somewhere on the internet uh, And I was like we have to go there And I just like I paid for the whole meal I've never like been such a Fucking big timer where I've been like Meals on me uh, like, Wow and, and yeah like that was kind of the golden Age right there like that one Year was uh, was so good Of course then I had to pay taxes on All that the next year yeah that's when they so. bite You in the ass when you actually tax time comes And suddenly like you don't get a refund like when you're a kid Yeah, no, I wish I someday aspire to get a refund again um, but I yeah, still get refunds, like, it's great, man I love it Oh, I bet, I oh, bet It's awesome, yeah <laughs> Every every year I, mean, I get a refund It's not great, like a lot of money But like I got one, I think, in like 2011 or 2012 Which was like the year I made the least amount of money I've ever made in my life in a See, year. this is how uh, you know when you're a player and you're not a player because you're paying taxes because you're doing all this comic book freelance shit and getting paid. I'm working in higher education, so I'm always getting a refund because I don't make dick. I make nothing because <laughs> uh, it's just how it is. You know, I work for college and you, you know, work for yourself more or less. Yeah. I mean, I basically make nothing. I mean, I, I don't do amazingly well. It's just like I have more cash on hand. At any like you know every payday because I and I should I should be making quarterly payments but I never have and I'm not at the point where I feel comfortable here here's a thousand two thousand dollars um like so I have this like I just have like more funds available but like it all yeah like it's it's a it's a toll that I have to pay and I'm just choosing to ignore paying it. Like, <laughs> You get a check and you know, like, okay, this is my money. Like, this is the number at the bottom. Like, and I'm straight with the government. Like, I don't have to worry at the end of the year. And, like, my whole shit is, like, I need to figure out every conceivable thing I can write off and, like, like even quasi-make up, like, or at least, like, I probably shouldn't say that on a podcast. No, but, we can edit that uh, out if you like because that's, that's fucked up no, that you that's, just confessed that. Yeah. Yeah, you can bleep it. Um, uh, <laughs> We're leaving yeah, that in. I mean, Fuck it. Fuck it. We're leaving that in. I don't in. know. Like, writing stuff off is, like, a really weird science, and you have to figure out, like, I mean, you know, there are things that you use for business, but that, you know, under the tax law, like, they're a little uh, fudgy about whether or not you can, you have to jump through all these hoops to declare it, so you get creative at how you roll things together. So, no, that's understandable. Like, I have an accountant. I don't do this myself. And I mean, yeah, he's I very good to, at like obeying the law and not doing anything sure. too excessive. But at the same time, I'm kind of leaving it up to him. I don't know. Yeah, I, I need to get I had an accountant and then she moved firms. Uh, and now I want to get like a crooked accountant, but like not super crooked, just like one who is like. I'm going to do every like who is basically going to work for me as hard as I work for me when I do my taxes. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, for now I, I literally do my taxes in TurboTax. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, it sounds horrible. I can't imagine the idea. I Dude, it's great. No, oh, there's no. nothing. I like, I mean, there's sure the glory of just like, here's all my shit. Like, uh, let me know if I owe anything. Uh, that's great. But like, I don't know. Like, it's the one time of year I actually like sit down and look at my money because I never, I never do. And it's like a failing of mine. And I'm like, yeah, I have to get better at it. You, you always was, did that. You used to like leave the apartment with not any idea how much money you had and then have uh -huh. like a handful of like wrinkled bills and always yeah. have just 
literally just enough money for whatever you were doing that day and it always worked out for you and it would drive me crazy because I would do this thing <laughs> where I would go out and have like the same attitude towards life and then not have enough money to support like I just would order like a BLT or something and then like well I've got three dollars I should have probably checked that before I ordered that food and I remember like you always would sort of have enough money to cover whatever you did and I was trying to emulate that it didn't work out for me so well yeah, I don't know why. Like, it, it still continues to kind of work out, but like, it's like, dude, you've been. It's like I've been. You know, it's like me finally getting health insurance this year. Um, Wait, you finally just going, you just got health insurance this year? Uh huh. After how many years uh, of not having it? Ten. Ten years, dude. What the yeah. fuck? You're a smoker. What the hell's wrong yeah. with you? And you eat pizza you know for dinner? Like, how many, get- how many days a week do you eat pizza <laughs> for dinner? Uh, one tops Oh okay uh, From your Twitter feed It looks like you're eating pizza Like constantly No I mean like I'm thinking about pizza A lot <laughs> uh, And sometimes I Yeah I think loudly about it But no like Yeah I try to keep myself I did have a bad week A couple of weeks ago Where I think I had pizza Like two or three times In a week But that was a real outlier Even I was like Dude this is too much pizza <laughs> Um <laughs> Is but it? yeah, I just I could never I could never fucking afford insurance. Like oh. there was no way. Um, I mean, once the ACA passed, then that was on me for just being like, well, I gotten by so far. Like, might as well let it roll, dude. Um, no, no, <laughs> bad, 